Well, we're continuing today in the book of Colossians, which is about the supremacy of Christ. Uh, We have seen so far in the series that Christ is supreme over creation. We have seen that Christ is supreme over the church. Oh, you know what? Let me stop a second. We had two really big events here today, or this weekend, that I was about to forget. First of all, we had the youth lock-in, which I hear was a smashing success. Uh, Lots of kids here, and so I want to thank all the volunteers who uh, served and made that a good event for the kids. And then we had the, uh, this is the eighth year that we have done the Route 40 yard sale, and uh, it raises money for the food pantry, and I want to say a special thank you to Kathy Smellick and to all of her team members for the great work that they did on the yard sale. If you were here, you, you witnessed organizational genius. I mean, it was amazing the way the parking was arranged and the, the uh, displays of people participating in the uh, yard sale. It really was just a, a well-oiled machine, very impressive. And so thanks to all of the youth volunteers, thanks to Kathy and all of the Route 40 uh, workers who did such a great job. So let's give all those people a quick hand. So we've seen so far that Christ is supreme over creation. We've seen that Christ is supreme over the church. We've seen that Jesus is God. And we've seen that Christ is to have the supremacy, the preeminence in all things. And today in the the text that we're going to look at, we're going to see the supremacy of Christ in salvation, the supremacy of Christ in spiritual growth, the supremacy of Christ in our being people with whom God is. Is pleased. And so we're going to go right to the text today. It's Colossians 2, verses 6 through 23. It should be on the screen behind me, and you can follow along uh, as I read. It's rather a lengthy uh, section of Scripture. It's, it, it, it's a pretty, um, pretty deep section of Scripture. So, so concentrate real hard, follow along, and, uh, and let's see what uh, we find here. Colossians 2, 6 through 23. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ." For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead." When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you, 
Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Don't you wish you were preaching today? That is quite a section of Scripture, isn't it? Deep, deep section of Scripture. I... uh, reading through it this week and studying it and trying to prepare to preach it. And I was so intimidated by it that I decided that I would just read it and then we would pray and go home. <laughs> so not, not really. I'll, I'll give it a try here. Verse six. So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. The way that we're reconciled to God the way that we are saved from our sinful condition and restored to God, the way that our sins are forgiven and we pass from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, the way that we pass from death to life, the way that we become citizens of the kingdom of God is that we receive Christ Jesus. Verse 6 of Colossians is one of many places throughout the New Testament that communicate this important truth. I've titled today's message, The Way In is the Way On. And a more complete and wordy title would be, the way into God's kingdom is also the way onward in God's kingdom. In other words, the way we get into the kingdom and the way we move forward as part of the kingdom are the same. The way into the kingdom of God is Christ. The way onward in the kingdom of God is also Christ. And so this section we read begins with Paul saying, Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. All of us who are Christians, if we understand what that means at all, we understand that uh, that it began by receiving Christ, by realizing our need of Christ, by turning to him in faith. And we call this, in, in the church, we call this receiving Jesus, receiving Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 articulate this quite well and quite succinctly. Those verses say, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so we are saved. We enter the kingdom of God because of God's grace as we turn to Christ in faith. It is by grace, through faith, in Jesus The way into God's kingdom is Christ. It is faith in Christ, not faith in faith, but faith in the person of Jesus Christ. That is the way into the kingdom. And Paul is saying that that is also the way onward in the kingdom. He goes on and writes, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught, 
and overflowing with thankfulness, just as you received Christ by faith. So continue to live your lives in him. Salvation, sanctification, spiritual growth, it is all rooted in Christ. It is all built on Christ. Jesus isn't just the starting point of our faith. Christ is the beginning, he is the middle, and he is the end of our faith. Everything about our Christian lives is rooted and grounded in Christ. It is all about Jesus. Your spiritual progress is rooted and grounded on Jesus. Your joy is rooted and grounded in Jesus. Your obedience is rooted and grounded in Jesus. From beginning to end, the Christian life is all about Jesus. But after receiving Christ by faith, every believer faces an important question. And here's the question. Is Christ enough? Is Christ enough? Now, Paul told the Colossians to continue to live their lives in Christ just as they had received Christ because they were coming under the influence of false teachers who were trying to divert them from simple and pure devotion to Jesus and add to their faith in Jesus all sorts of other considerations that the false teachers said were the real key to salvation, to spiritual insight, to guidance, to spiritual growth. In in verse 4, which is part of the section of this um, uh, book that Ben dealt with last week, Paul lets them know that he's writing of the importance of Christ so that no one will deceive them. And and then as we go throughout the rest of chapter 2 here, we see Paul appealing to them to not be led astray by teachings that would divert them from pure and simple devotion to Jesus. Is Christ enough? The false teachers were telling the Colossians that Christ wasn't enough, that he wasn't sufficient, that there was more that they needed than just Jesus. And this is at the heart of false teaching in our day that tempts us away from pure and simple devotion to Jesus. False teachers, both then and now, say that Christ is not sufficient. And so they offer to us additions to Christ. They're they're often okay with Jesus being in the mix somewhere, as long as they can add their teachings, their philosophies on top of Christ. So I want to draw your attention to four things false teachers then and now present to us as additions to simple devotion to Christ. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So the false teachers wanted to add to Christ human philosophy. William Barclay gives us this explanation. He writes, as they, the false teachers, saw it, The simple truth preached by Jesus and preserved in the gospel was not enough. It had to be filled out by an elaborate system of pseudo-philosophical thought, which was far too difficult for ordinary people and which only intellectuals could understand. 
Now, Scripture encourages us to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Scripture itself encourages us to learn it, to study it, to memorize it. And so what I'm about to say should not be heard to say, don't study, don't dig deep in the Word, don't learn, shouldn't, shouldn't be understood in that way. But any time that you hear someone demanding that on top of believing the gospel and having pure and simple devotion to Jesus, that you must have a highly refined understanding of philosophy and theology and be able to engage with the pseudo-intellectuals and academics or your faith is just too simplistic and you're not really serious about Jesus, you have just witnessed somebody adding to Christ. If you don't know what the word soteriology is, and I won't ask for a show of hands, if you don't know what that word is, but you have trusted Christ for salvation and you're walking close to him, you're okay. You don't have to know the word soteriology. If you're not able to explain that the doctrine of salvation, soteriology, requires discussion of topics like atonement, imputation, and regeneration, but you've received Christ as Savior and you love him, you're okay. If you can't explain what the cosmological argument is, anybody want to take a shot? But you love Jesus and you've received him as Savior, and you're living daily for him, you're okay. Paul wants them and us to know that Jesus is enough. It isn't Jesus plus philosophy. It isn't Jesus plus intellectualism. It isn't Jesus plus being really, really intelligent and being able to argue, argue your faith with academics. Christ is enough. Now look, we need intellectuals. We need the academics. We need them. There is no hostility in this towards Stan Tenen or people like him. There's, there's no hostility toward them. But intellectualism becomes a god to many people. They become more enamored with their learning than they are with Jesus, which is why seminaries are full of professors who know an awful lot of big words about the Bible, but they don't even have personal faith in Christ. Virtually every heresy comes out of someone who claims to have a superior intellect, saying they have superior insight, superior understanding of Scripture, things the Bible clearly and unequivocally condemns or are being accepted by Christians all over the country because they claim to have a new and enlightened understanding of Scripture. That if the rest of us were just as intellectual as they are, we would understand how misguided our, our old-fashioned beliefs are. And in reality, these folks are simply unfaithful. They're not intellectuals. They're unfaithful. Beware of those who want to draw you away from pure and simple devotion to Jesus. So human philosophy is an addition to Christ that gets offered by the false teachers. 
And another addition to Christ is tradition. Tradition. Verse 8 mentioned deceptive philosophies depend on human tradition. And verse 16 references dietary traditions, religious festivals, new moon celebrations, Sabbath observance, traditions, additions to Christ. In addition to receiving Christ, you must rigidly observe the Sabbath. In addition to receiving Christ, you must honor our traditional festivals. In addition to Christ, you must adhere to our dietary customs. These additions often came from the Judaizers, those Jews who would come alongside the converts to Christ and they would essentially say, look, you know, it's really great that you have received Jesus. But to be right with God, you still need to observe our laws, our rules, our commandments, our traditions. And the Apostle Paul was constantly combating this false teaching throughout the New Testament. Christ isn't enough, you need our philosophies. Christ isn't enough, you need our traditions. And another addition to Christ is the addition of superstition, which would include things like astrology and what is referred to in our text as worshiping angels, which likely refers to to the practice of viewing angels as intermediaries between God and man and praying to them and seeking guidance from them. We see these things referenced in verse 8 as elemental spiritual forces of this world. People believed that their fate was determined by the stars. These things are referenced in verse 18 with a warning not to allow those who worship angels to disqualify them. Again in verse 20, elemental spiritual forces is referenced. Paul is telling them that those who would encourage reliance on the stars for guidance or reliance on angels for guidance, are leading them away from Christ. Those teaching such things were saying that Jesus wasn't enough. That your future was not determined by Christ. Your future was determined by astrology. Or or more specifically, your future was determined by relying on the teachings of the false teachers to learn how to free yourself from having your fate controlled by the stars or or teaching you how to appeal to some celestial being for guidance. Does this have any application for us today? I would say that it does. Christian, our futures are determined by Christ. Our guidance comes from Christ or at least it should. Christians don't. Actually, some do, but they should not. Christians don't seek direction from other spiritual sources. Christians don't think that the stars determine our future. Christians don't seek guidance in a horoscope. They seek guidance from Christ. Christian, when you consult a horoscope, you are effectively saying Jesus isn't enough. I've got to go outside of Jesus for guidance about how to live my life. If you are a Christian, 
and you're consulting your horoscope, stop it. Stop it. Don't do that. This is an addition to Christ. It, it, it reveals a, a, a sentiment that Christ isn't enough, that Christ isn't sufficient. And then we see a fourth addition that false teachers add to Christ, the addition of human merit. Circumcision, which started out as a sign of a covenant between God and man, came to be understood as a human action that secured right standing with God. This is talked about in verses 11 through 13 of our text. Additionally, Paul references submitting to rules like don't touch and don't taste as being indicators that someone is acting like they belong to the world instead of Christ. Circumcision, rule following, these are all ways that people try to gain favor with God through human merit. Sure, Christ is good. It's, it's great that you've received Christ, but, but you know Christ isn't enough, the false teachers would say. You, you also have to be circumcised. You also have to follow our rules. You have to earn your way with God. All of these things, human philosophy, tradition, superstition, human merit, they are all things that false teachers say that we need in addition to Jesus. Jesus alone isn't sufficient. It's Jesus plus philosophy. It's Jesus plus intellectualism. It's Jesus plus observing our traditions. It is Jesus plus seeking other spiritual sources for guidance. It is Jesus plus earning your way with God through your own merit. And Paul comes against the false teachers and he warns that all of these things that the false teachers tell us we need in addition to Christ actually lead us away from Christ and the freedom that he has provided for us. Here's what all of these additions to Christ do. They lead us into bondage. They lead us into bondage. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive, captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. And the admonition applies to all of the additions to Christ that Paul addresses in these verses. The, the false teachers convince people that, that Christ wasn't sufficient for salvation, or he wasn't sufficient for direction or for, for uh, fulfillment in life. And they're doing the same thing today, and they lead too many of us into captivity. Listen, it is slavery to think that salvation depends on proper Sabbath observance or, or ritualistically performing some religious rite. It, it, it convinces us salvation, what these things do is they convince us that salvation is on us rather than on Christ. That it's up to us instead of up to Jesus. And if you're concerned about being saved and you think that it's on you to make sure you get saved, it can lead a person to a tormenting existence of trying to justify themselves before God, which none of us can do. False teachers tried to convince the Colossians that while Jesus was all well and good, their fate was actually controlled by the stars. Tried to convince people that they alone had the secret knowledge to, to break the control of the stars over people's lives. That's bondage. That, that, that puts you in this subservient position to the, to the guru who has the answers for your future. 
Paul's answer to these false teachers is that you need nothing but Christ to overcome every power in the universe. The legalists, the Judaizers, tried to convince Christians that they needed to earn salvation through human merit, through human effort, that Christ wasn't enough. His grace wasn't sufficient. Again, when you think your salvation rests on you, it can be a tormenting thing. Every mistake convinces you that you are lost and you have to earn your way back into God's good graces. It's slavery, it's tormenting, it's bondage to rules and regulations that that men put on you or that you put on yourself. All of these additions to Christ lead us away from Christ as being fully sufficient. And Paul is telling them and he's telling us that Christ is fully sufficient. Christ is all we need. Christ is enough. Christ is superior to human philosophy and intellect. Christ is superior to traditions and superstition. Christ is superior to human merit. All of those fail to bring salvation. All of those fail to bring peace and joy and meaning. Christ is superior to every addition to Christ that false teachers both then and now try to get people to embrace. And throughout this chapter, Paul explains very specifically how Christ is superior to these things. Don't be taken captive by deceptive human philosophy, he says. And here's why. Because in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. You don't need the human philosophy to be brought to fullness. That that happens in Christ. Don't look to physical circumcision as meriting anything with God, Paul says. Why? Because in Christ, you have already been circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. You think for the new converts, it was a freeing revelation that it was okay to only have the circumcision not performed by human hands. That wasn't funny at all to you. I thought that was hilarious. (laughs) You can have physical circumcision or spiritual circumcision. Which would you like, gentlemen? It was a freeing, freeing teaching that Paul gave them. You're not subject to spiritual powers and authority, Paul says. Why? Because Christ triumphed over them by the cross. Your future is not determined by the stars. Christ triumphed over all that stuff on the cross. Don't be subject to religious traditions like festivals and new moon celebrations and Sabbath observance, Paul says. Why? Because those things were only shadows of what was to come. Christ is the reality that all of those things pointed to. You don't need those anymore. You have Christ. You have the reality. Trying to merit salvation through abstaining from certain foods is unnecessary. Why? Because since you died with Christ in baptism, you're not subject to these human commands and teachings anymore. 
Paul says all this to answer the false teachers who say Christ isn't enough. Taking each addition to Christ that the false teachers offer and emphatically stating and showing that Christ is sufficient, Christ is superior, Christ is all you need, Christ is enough. Friends, Christ is all you need for salvation. He is the way into the kingdom of God. And Christ is all you need for all of life. For direction, for peace, for joy, for spiritual growth. Christ is the way in and Christ is the way on. It is all about Jesus. We enter his kingdom by grace through faith in Jesus. We grow in his kingdom by grace through faith in Jesus. Salvation and the whole of the Christian life are all about Jesus, all about his grace. We get in by his grace. We grow by his grace. We never move beyond Christ and his grace to doing anything on our own to earn our way with God. It is all Jesus. It is all grace all of the time. From the moment we received Christ, as we continue in the Christian life, until Christ returns or we die, and even then, it is all Jesus, and it is all his grace. Jesus is enough. Don't trust in human philosophy. Don't trust in traditions, even good traditions. Don't become captive to superstitions that lead you away from Jesus. Never get taken captive in the false belief that you have to maintain your salvation through human effort. It is all Jesus, all grace, all the time. Christ is sufficient. Christ is enough. If you take everything that Paul has said here, and there's some weighty stuff there, there's some some complex stuff there, and you distill it down to, to a simple message, it is simply this, Jesus Christ is sufficient. Jesus Christ is enough. He is all you need. May we believe this. May we believe this. And may it change our lives. Why don't you stand